Well, I want you to take your Bible open to 1 Corinthians chapter 14. 1 Corinthians chapter 14. This is going to be a, a good word. I, I think we can get through it pretty quickly because we're going we're gonna to spend some time to minister. We like to do that on Tuesday nights especially. We'll minister, we'll prophesy over one another. Uh, 1 Corinthians 14, 12. I need to have you stand up because we honor the reading of God's word. I can't break that. I've only, we're only going to read one verse tonight. 1 Corinthians 14 and verse 12 says this, uh, Even so you, since you are zealous for spiritual gifts, let it be for the edification of the church that you seek to excel. Wow. Well, Lord, I just ask that you would help us as we open your word. Speak to our hearts and change our lives, God. Show us how to direct uh, the passion and the gifts and the, and the, the talents that you put on the inside of us. Lord, we want to be effective for your kingdom and for your glory's sake. Lord, speak to us tonight in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Guys, I'm going to dive right into this. I've got, I've got three simple thoughts. That I, that I want you to, that I think is going to help us as we're growing in the gifts of the Spirit. How many of you, uh, you want to operate in the fullness of what God has called you to? I mean, that should be all of us. If, if God's got a healing anointing for you, I want you seeing people healed just because your shadow touches them, right? If God's called you to uh, prophesy, I don't want you to have to wrestle. I want you to be able to get words in a moment for whatever that situation might be. And so we're going to talk about the gifts. And, and there's a key here that is... Oh, it is just so awesome. All of 1 Corinthians 14 is just incredible. But I want to give you three points, and it's literally this verse just dissected. The first part, this is point one if you're taking notes. Be zealous for spiritual gifts. Be zealous for spiritual gifts. Everybody say zealous. That's what our verse said there, 14.12. Even you, since you are zealous for spiritual gifts and then he gives some description we're going to talk about but here uh, i want you to understand zeal defined this is out of webster's 1828 dictionary uh if you guys ever want to have another preaching resource get you a webster's 1828 dictionary did you know that webster noah webster was actually a bible translator we honor like, you know, he uses his dictionary uh, today, but there's actually a Webster's translation of the Bible. And Webster's, uh, Noah Webster's Dictionary, 1828, there's all kinds of scripture uh, references for every single word that you have in there. You could literally preach from the dictionary. My mom bought me a, a one of the, uh, like an unabridged copy of it and the thing's like this thick. It's so awesome. Uh, I should have brought it just to show you guys, but, uh, but this is what zeal, this is how he divine zeal passionate pursuit of anything an eager desire to accomplish or obtain something it may be manifested in favor in favor of any person or thing or in opposition to it as a good or a bad cause so this is we're passionately pursuing we're eagerly pursuing something or even working against something now this is the 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 Webster's definition so you understand like we see zealous people who are uh, either in protest or they're celebrating a lot of things in politics or a lot of things in race uh, right we see this kind of stuff every time something happens 
Seems like something's getting burned down by zealous people or a parade or a celebration is happening for equally zealous people, right? Zeal can go either way, but it's because people are passionate about what they believe in. You guys trekking with me so far. Now, this is really important. Let me give you one of the best examples I can straight out of scripture. There's an individual in Matthew chapter 10. In fact, why don't you turn there real quick? Matthew chapter 10. And I want you to look at verse 2, Matthew chapter 10 in verse 2. I'm going to turn there in my Bible, Matthew chapter 10 in verse 2. And I've actually got the wrong translation for this, but I'm going to read it anyway. It says this, these are the names. Now the names of the 12 apostle are these, Simon, who is called Peter, Andrew, his brother, James, the son of Zebedee, John, his brother, Philip, in Bartholomew, Thomas, Matthew, the tax collector, James, the son of Alphaeus, whose surname was Thaddeus. Now watch this, verse 4. Simon, the Canaanite, and Judas Iscariot, who also betrayed him. Now, let me ask you guys, your translation, who's got something different than the, uh, Leah, what does yours say? Simon the Zealot. Simon the Zealot. Now, I think the King James and the New King James, I generally preference that translation because I feel like most of the time it gets it right. However, on this occasion, I could give you the reasoning why they decided Canaanite was better, but history and virtually every translation translates it Simon the Zealot. Do you know why Simon was called Simon the Zealot? I'm going to tell you. This is now, this is really cool. Okay, so, so trek me. Can I give you some history real quick? This is going to help you. Between the Old Testament and the New Testament, there was a period of 400 years. Okay, uh, prophets were not speaking, prophets were not ministering. In fact, there was great persecution that happened during that 400 year period of time. There was a guy by the name of Antiochus Epiphanes. Everybody say Antiochus Epiphanes. He was a bad dude. If you're looking for children's names, uh, baby names, that's not one for the list, okay? Antiochus Epiphanes, he was a really bad dude. In fact, I will teach about Antiochus Epiphanes anytime I do end time revelation teaching because he is a great picture of what the Antichrist is going to look like in his relationship to the church. And let me tell you a little bit about him. He named himself, he renamed himself Theos Epiphanes. Theos in the Greek, he was a Greek emperor. Theos in the Greek means a uh, manifest God. He believed that he was Zeus in the flesh. And what he did was he commanded everybody within the Greek Roman Empire to worship Zeus. And the way that he did that is he actually went into the Jewish temple because he had commanded everybody in the nation to worship him as Zeus in the flesh. But of course, the Jews refused to do so. So he was going to prove a point to them. He goes into the temple. He first sacrifices a pig on their altar, which is the most unclean animal that is, you know, that, that you can imagine. He forces priests to eat the flesh of the pigs. And then he erects a statue of Zeus in the middle of the temple and commands that they all worship him. Now, there's opposition to this, and so it opened up this entire war between the Jews and Antiochus Epiphanes and all of his people. They estimate around 90 
thousand Jews died because of that opposition. Most of those were men because the women and the children he decided to take and to sell into slavery. And what happened was you had all of this group of people. There was a guy. Um, his name was Judas Machias. And he was the one who actually led a revolt against Antiochus Epiphanes. Now, we do have a couple books that if you have a Catholic Bible, you can actually read uh, a couple books called the Maccabees. Have you ever heard of the Maccabees? Uh, the Maccabees were actually named after this guy. Now, I don't believe that it should be a part of our biblical canon, but Maccabees does have some historical significance, and I've read it. And what's interesting, in fact, I'm going to quote to you a verse out of Maccabees. I've never done this before. Maccabees, uh, uh, 1 Maccabees 2.50, it says, Be zealous for the law and give your lives for the covenant. This was the heart of this guy who led what they called the Maccabean Revolt. And what happened is these guys began to, I, I mean, physically, not like just, you know, let's just pray about this thing. No, they actually like would rally people together, swords and spears and everything. And they began to physically fight against Antiochus Epiphanes. Tremendous persecution. They began to riot and all of this. this is, these were the Maccabees. Everybody say Maccabees. I just want to make sure that you're still trekking with me. And, and how many agree if somebody were to come in desecrate the house of worship, take our children, our women, kill our men. How many think this is a good reason to fight? I mean, I, I would, I'd take up the sword in a situation like this. But something happened. Over the period, over a course of time, uh, Antiochus Epiphanes was overthrown. In fact, by the end of his reign, they ended, everybody around started calling him uh, Antiochus the Insane. Because he literally had so many military losses against the Jewish uh, zealots, the Maccabees, that he literally went insane over this whole thing. It's a really cool story. You just search it, uh, and, and it's, it's an awesome thing to know. Now, what happened is you have this group of individuals who came out of the Maccabees. And these guys were very adamant about upholding the law. They'd had somebody who had blatantly and intentionally desecrated the law and the worship of God. And so these guys were so passionate about we need to, we need to restore the law and we need to practice the law and we need to make sure all of these people have died. But let's make sure that everybody understands how we're truly supposed to worship these were individuals called the Pharisees did you know that you wonder why these guys were so passionate and even how they were constantly Jesus why are you doing this Jesus you can't do this Jesus because he was constantly doing things kind of against the grain you know and these guys were so zealous over the law Jesus began to show him, listen, everything that you're doing is not in order. In fact, the Pharisees added a lot of laws that are not found in Scripture in any way, shape, or form. But also, you had individuals beyond the context of the law who decided, you know what? It's not enough that we have the house of worship back and that we're worshiping this way. There were a group of individuals who said, you know what? We need to overthrow this government. Even though Antiochus was gone, even though they were now permitted to worship, their kids were not enslaved, their women were not enslaved any longer, there were a group of individuals who said, 
we're going to prepare for when the Messiah comes. Because when he comes, he's going to rule and he's going to reign from right here. So we're going to overthrow the government and we're going to make it ready. And these guys really were terrorists in most ways. They would go around and they'd burn stuff down and they, would, they were constantly fighting. They were killing tax collectors all the time. These guys were called zealots. Simon was a zealot. Now, this is what's wild. I just, are you guys checking with me so far? Is this interesting to you? I love this kind of stuff, okay? Simon, now here's what's wild. Most of the time when you read about Simon, he's usually ministering right alongside Matthew. Does anybody remember? We just read a moment ago what Matthew was. Does anybody remember what Matthew was? A tax collector. Now, if you keep track, he was a Roman tax collector, the kind of person that zealots were seeking out in killing because they believed it was a rebellious system. We need to overthrow this. We need to get ready for the coming of our Messiah, our Christ. And so you imagine Jesus now steps into the picture and Simon ends up getting saved he ends up coming to believe that jesus is the christ he looks very different than what he expected but now he believes in jesus and then you have matthew the tax collector who also comes to saving faith in jesus christ and guess what these two guys who should have been seeking to kill one another the one who had terrorized the other are now co-laborers in ministry oh isn't that amazing i tell you guys I, this is this is the way that Christianity should look. You may have been hateful. You may have been racist. You may have been a zealot for this cause or that cause. But at the end of the day, what the Lord desires, when you get Jesus in the mix, oh, I'm telling you, people who used to would be your enemy become your co-laborers in ministry. What a wonderful, what a wonderful. I've got so many stories I could tell about that, but I, I spent a lot of time on that. So that's zealots. Uh, and you know, you, the Bible talks a lot about being zealous. And, and in fact, I love the fact that they continue to call Simon a zealot. What I believe happened is, is Simon, you understand Jesus, when, he, when, he, when you were created, when God created you, Many of the passions and the desires that are on the inside of your life, I believe God put those there. You understand? God put zeal inside of Simon. Simon just didn't know where to focus his zeal until he met Jesus. He was violent in his zeal. He was a terrorist in his zeal. But after Jesus came in, he knew how to direct his zeal for kingdom purposes, you understand. Uh, it's like me, I've always been an evangelist. Years before I got saved, I would see a great movie. And guess what? Anybody around me, you need to watch this movie. You need to experience this movie. It was the same way with drugs. I mean, I'd experience, I'd have some trip, you know, some, some encounter in, in, in the world of drugs. And I'd just like, you guys, you got to try this. You got to experience this. And I was constantly recruiting people for the cause of drugs. There was this evangelistic, this, this recruiting, this rallying sort of anointing that God placed on my life. But the problem is when you don't have Jesus in the mix, we abuse the anointings that are on our life. But when Jesus came, all of a sudden my passions aren't gone, but they're redirected. And that's what I want to encourage some of you guys. Some of you might be passionate about music. 
I mean, my uh, sometimes we'll watch these, uh, you know, these uh, like uh, these talent shows, you know, these singing competitions and stuff. And I'm watching. You know what grieves me when you see these these people get on there so gifted, and they talk about how I grew up singing in the church. But my gift was, and they may not word it this way, but I, I wasn't used there. And so now, now they're singing songs for the world. And I just like, I, I think about, man, you just imagine if, I mean, you know, Elvis Presley was one of those. He wanted to be a gospel singer. He put out some gospel music, but he was not, man, that's too radical for the church. And so he went to where his gift was received. You just imagine if somebody like Elvis had been exclusively a Christian artist. I believe that God puts these gifts and these talents on the inside of people. And, and, and don't, don't diminish, don't extinguish the gift that God has put on you. Direct it towards the Lord. How can I use my gift to glorify God? Well, I need to move on or we're going to have no time to minister one to another. But do you understand zeal? We're going to be zealous for the things of the Lord. You know what that means? You, you got to be willing to, to fight for uh, the anointing. You have to be willing to get serious with God. The same way these zealots, man, they're ready to fight for their political cause. They're ready to fight for their religious cause. They're ready to, I mean, that's what zeal is. And we need to be the very same way about the anointing. We need to be very same way about, about stewarding and, and honing the gift that God has put on the inside of us. Listen, there's going to be things that war against the anointing in your life. There's going to be things that try and wipe out the call of God on your life. But you have to learn to be zealous. No, I will not allow my flesh to lead me around. My flesh needs to submit to the spirit of God. No, I'm not going to allow passivity to occupy my life. I'm going to get passionate and pursue the Lord. No, I'm not going to allow sin to come before my ears or my eyes. I'm going to, I'm going to set my eyes. I'm going to set my ears on the things of the Lord. We need to get zealous. We need to get excited about this kind of stuff. We need to, we need to, find, we need to recruit people for the cause. Praise God. Now, Here's the next thing that it says, uh, uh, 1 Corinthians 14, 12. It continues, let it be. If you're zealous for gifts, let it be for edification. I don't need to spend time on this because we understand this already. Edify means to build up, means to instruct, it means to improve. 1 Corinthians 12, 7, just a couple chapters earlier, says the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the profit of all. You understand, you growing in the gifts that God has placed on your life, it actually has little to do with you. It has more to do with the whole. How are we building the body? You understand when you operate in prophecy, it's not just, you know, yeah, that's great how, how comma can prophesy. Oh, that's wonderful how, how God is using, uh, whatever, you know, you've put your name in there, right? It's wonderful. But think about all the encouragement that comes when we begin to operate in the gift that God has placed on the inside. It's there to edify. And I, I just want to remind you, it's not a coincidence that 1 Corinthians 12, which is the gifts chapter, right? There's more about gifts in that chapter than anything. In 1 Corinthians 14, it's all about prophecy and tongues, the gifts of the Spirit. 
It's no mistake that 1 Corinthians 13 is sandwiched right in the middle there. Anybody know what 1 Corinthians 13 is about? Love. Everybody say love. Look at your neighbor. Say love. <laughs> you know, and this is where as we, as we pursue, as we're zealous for the gifts of the Spirit, you run yourself through this test is, is, is the way that I'm pursuing, is the way that I'm operating in my gift. Is it patient? Is it kind? Is it envious? Is it boastful? Is it proud? I'll tell you, do you brag about, I prayed for somebody and they got healed. You should have seen how anointed I was when I was walking through Walmart and I got a word of knowledge for this lady in the sick aisle. I mean, are, are you boastful? Are you arrogant about these things or or are you truly pursuing this jesus loves this person he sacrificed for this person they you know jesus shed blood so they could be restored and i want them to have all that god offers them i mean well what is the heart with which we're pursuing the gifts we ought to you just you run yourself through that list uh anytime you feel uh because i i posted this on social media a little earlier but if you don't have love your gifts are annoying. That's true. 1 Corinthians 13.1 says, If I speak in tongues of men and angels, but I don't have love, I'm like a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. How many understand? Now, we're going to have a drum set when we get in the front room. We just don't have space for it here. But uh, I'm, I actually like the cajon, man, tonight. Ooh, that was awesome. But... I look at this and uh, how many understand if I was just here and I just started banging on a cymbal or banging on a gong? I mean, when it's a part of music, oh, it's great. But if I'm just here banging on a gong, that's about the most obnoxious thing that you've ever heard in your life. And I'm telling you, self-seeking, self-promoting, envious, boastful gifts, that's what that's like. You can pray in tongues all day long, but if you're a jerk... All right. You, you guys hearing me? So we could, and, and this is important for us to grasp because we're creating a culture here. You notice, hey, somebody needs healing. Go lay hands on them. You notice on Tuesday nights, we take time and we all take time and give opportunity to prophesy over one another. Why? Because I don't want just the elite ordained to be the only ones who prophesy and minister in this house. The Bible says that signs and wonders will follow all that believe. And so if you carry the banner of Jesus Christ, if you've been cleansed by his blood, then you are a candidate to operate in the gifts of the spirit. Period. But as we operate in the gifts, I tell you, we're going to have people that come and visit our church from other locations. And they're going to look. And we're not going to be holier than that. We operate in the gifts, and I hear that your church doesn't. If I ever see you acting or talking like that, I will slap you myself. We're not, we're, we're not going to be that way. We're not going to be that way. We're going to love. Uh, and I will slap you in love, okay? <laughs> and that's, I just realized that wasn't a very loving thing to say, but... But there is loving correction that can come, right? Right, Mariah? Yeah. 
All right, here's the last thing. Uh, 1 Corinthians 14, 12. It says to seek to excel. Seek to excel. I, uh, boy, I've got a good Greek word, but I'm, I'm going to save it for another time. You know what that word excel means? I'll just, I'll tell you really what it, what it comes down to. It literally means to super abound. To super abound. Now that's awesome. That's the kind of anointing that we should be contending for. That's the kind of stuff we should be praying for and seeking God for. A super abundant, uh, an overabounding kind of anointing. I, I just get the picture like when you're uh, pouring soda and you pour too much and the thing just starts pouring over. We've all experienced that, haven't we? I feel like when, when the Spirit of God moves in our lives, it should look like that. And it's like, you know what? I, I was intending to pray for one person, but all of a sudden healing just started breaking out. And there are so many healings that broke out, I don't even know how we're going to keep track. How are we going to take testimony of all the healings that took place? I mean, that would be a good problem to have, wouldn't it? Uh, there are so many prophecies. Boy, we didn't have time to get through everybody because the words were flowing so powerfully, so mightily. That's what it means to have this overabundance of gifts. So we're going to excel in those gifts. The Bible says, if you ask, it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. You want to know how you excel? We have to seek it. That's what it said in 1 Corinthians 14. Seek to excel. If you want to excel, you need to seek. This is real simple. Jeremiah 29, 13. If you seek me, you will find me when you seek me with all of your heart. Deuteronomy 4, 29. If you seek the Lord your God, you will find him. If you seek him with all of your heart and with your soul. Proverbs 8, 17. Those who love me. And uh, I love those who love me and those who seek me will find me. On and on and on. You know, I was convicted by a statement that I read from Leonard Ravenhill some time ago. And he said that the only reason we don't have revival is because we're willing to live without it. How serious are we about seeking the Lord? How desperately do we want our church to go to the next level you wonder why well pastor why would you fast without putting an end date on it because i am more serious about seeing our church go to the next level than i am about costco's pizza i'm just telling you and i want to show god it's it's zeal i'm passionate about the things of god now i'm passionate about food but I'm passionate about the things of God. I'm passionate about the moving of the Holy Spirit. And that's how we're going to. Now, I've got good news for you. I've got good news for you. You're in church on a Tuesday night. Who comes to church on a Tuesday night? People that are hungry. People that are hungry. People that are serious about God. I tell you, it might be obligation to go to church on Sunday. But serious people go to church on a Tuesday and so I don't say this putting anybody down. The fact that you're here, the fact that you are here on a prophetic night, you're moving the right direction. You're starting to seek the Lord. And, uh, and we're going we're gonna to dig into this. Now, I'm not going to belabor this any longer. We're going to move into a time. In fact, I'm going to pray. The Lord would seal this. And we're going to release our online audience. Listen, online audience, I love you guys. So glad you get to join us for the, our, our time and our ministry together. Um, 
you miss our worship and you miss our prayer and our prophetic time. And some of you sitting at home and, oh, I'll just watch online. Listen, you're missing something. I'm just telling you. And uh, all right, we'll see you later. No, I'm just kidding. I'm, <laughs> let me, let me, I, uh, let's pray. Lord, I, I thank you for, I thank you for the word that was, that was released tonight. And I, I just ask that you would speak to us, Lord. We want to be zealous for the things of your word, the things of your spirit. Lord, the gifts, the talents that you've called and you've placed upon each and every one of us. And I ask you, Lord, that you would, that you would seal this. And I, I repent. Maybe it wasn't loving the way that I said that to our online audience. And I'm sorry. Uh, I don't even want that to hinder the way your spirit flows. And so, Lord, I, but I do. I just pray that you would bless our online audience. I pray that you'd speak to them and minister to them and, and help them to be zealous over the things of your spirit as you're helping all of us, mighty God. I bless them in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. I love you guys. God bless you.